All right, let's get going. Hallelujah for church. It is good to see everybody here this morning. It's good to be seen. It's good to see Jim here and we got got everybody here. I know that there's a lot of people that are not here. They're on vacation. And then there's some that are not feeling good. Uh, I tell you what, let's just open and pray for all those that are not here. Father, I just pray right now as they're at home and, and possibly watching this service, that God, that this morning we're in agreement for their healing. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. 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 Years ago, there was a pitcher for the Houston Astros that was a 21-game winner. His name was Jose Lima, and he was unstoppable, probably one of the best, and if you were from Houston, probably the best, you know, opinion, but he was the best pitcher in all of baseball, 21-game winner. He, he just couldn't be stopped, but it just so happened after he won 21 games, the Houston Astros moved to a new stadium. And in this new stadium, they had put the left field fence closer than into the old Astrodome. And as he came into the new stadium, he looked at that left field wall being closer to home plate, which gave the batters more of a, an advantage and the pitchers a disadvantage. And he, he looked at that, and, and they said that he kind of got a frown on his face, and he said, I'll never be able to do a good job pitching in this stadium. That year, out of the confession out of his mouth, he was a self-profit because he lost 16 games that year. One of the worst turnarounds in Major League history. We have to realize that the picture that we get in our mind of something of either lack or even abundance is very critical for who we are as believers. This morning, let me, let me just say this. Have you ever uh, gone to, uh, uh, well, let me say you've been put in a situation and it's about 11.50 and somebody, maybe your wife, your husband, maybe it's a work associate goes, hey, where do you want to eat today? Everybody's already going there in their mind. We're in America. It's not a matter of if we're going to eat, it's where. And, and then, where, where would you like to eat? Oh, I don't know. And, and then we go through the list. How about Mexican food? Oh, I don't know. Italian? Mm, I didn't, oh, it doesn't matter to me. Let's see your hand. Participation's good for you. How many people have been there before? Huh? Okay. Let me give you another one. You worked hard at night, and let's just say you might not be one of those, but let's say you are, and you, everybody's probably been here one time or not, and you sit down, and you get all comfortable, and you turn on the TV, and, honey, what do you want to watch tonight? Oh, I don't know. What do you want to watch? Oh, I don't care. Let's see your hand. Are you an, a howler? You know, howler. Oh, I don't know. Come on now. How many people, come on, if you have a restaurant that you've been, maybe you don't, maybe you've yearned, but maybe you haven't ever had a hankering here in Texas, you got a hankering for something? For a, a food that you like, I, I tell you what, I'm not going to give a, this isn't just a res recommendation, but have you ever gone to Abuelo's? Now that's one of my places, and, and see that picture went off on that guy's mind right there. <laughs> Abrogado. They, they have pork tenderloins, and they have special herbs and seasonings, and Now, it has to be the right time, but when somebody says, where would you like to eat? Abuelos. Another one is the Longhorn Steakhouse. 
But listen, if you're not going for anything in particular, how many knows that it doesn't matter? And most of the time you're not even surprised or even maybe you're not even uh, appreciative because you just got full and okay, good. This morning we're in the series and we, we talked about who God says he is, not who somebody else says he is, but who God says he is in the Bible. And getting that firsthand revelation for us, that the second part of this series is who does the Father say that I am? Not who my teacher said that I am, or my coach, or my girlfriend that didn't like me anymore, or my brother that said I was this and that, or my sibling, well, whoever. Who God says that I am. And then we're going to go into the authority of the believer after this. But this morning, as we kind of wrap it up, this second part, and, and we'll refer back to this section because it's so powerful in our life. When you're walking into the service, it's important that you know what you're working on in your life as a believer. That we pray that God put us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people to bring about all that you have for us. And here's what's important. Make me aware when I'm in that place that I don't allow opportunities to just, you know, flow right by me. And I didn't even catch them until later. I go, man, I could have, I, I wish I would have. But in having self-awareness of what we're going for in our life and how God is moving us from glory to glory, you know, and he's changing it. What is it that we're looking for? Again, if we come to the point of God showing up in our life and going, what do you want me to do for you? See, when the blind said that, you would have thought, they would have went, duh, I'm blind. But he wanted them to confess out of their mouth, hopefully believing in their heart before confessing it, and then they would believe. This morning when I say, what is it that you want God to do in your life this morning? Don't be a howler. Oh, I don't know anything really. Because chances are you will miss an opportunity of the Holy Spirit speaking into your life what he wants to speak this morning. This morning I want to remind you that the last two weeks we talked about part one and part two entitled, Can You See the Picture? And we talked about how important it is to allow God to paint the picture. We, we talked about as, as parents, sometimes we tell our children, you know, this is what I want you to do. I want you to clean your room. I want you to, do I have to paint you a picture? Just quickly, remember that we talked about Gideon. And we're going to be talking about someone different and a group of people that are different. But, but I want you just to reflect back to get you on the page, everybody on the same page. In Judges chapter 7, verse 15, remember that passage where God shows up and he's talking to Gideon. And he says, when Gideon heard that he was supposed to go down and listen to the dream that the enemy was having, really they were prophesying that Gideon would be victorious. And all of a sudden that picture was painted into Gideon's mind that gave him not only faith, but previous, gave him hope. Because faith is what? Being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. The battle had not been won, but the battle being victorious was already painted in his mind. It was already a picture. And it says this in verse 15, When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The picture will dictate a response of action. Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Now, now think about that. Before we go on to this next sermon, I want you to understand that as soon as he got the picture, he was full of faith. And he began to confess out of his mouth because he's believing in his heart that it was already victorious. The, the, even though he only had 300 men, 300 compared to an army that was not able to be numbered. Stop. Because a lot of you are believing for things in your, 
in your family, in your health, in your relationships, in your finances, all those things, and there's something that's going off on the inside that's almost, in your mind, as difficult as 300 men going against this crazy number of enemy. It was impossible. Can I tell you that nothing is impossible with God? Okay. So the, the title of the sermons were... Do you get the picture? Can you see the picture? But this week, I want to take the alternate. And here's what I want to title today's message. Don't look at that picture. Okay? I love Luke. He comes up with some cool graphics, doesn't he? Don't look at that picture. And this morning I want you to see something before we get into this. There's a difference between the sins of commission, which are the things we've done that are wrong. And we know those because we've done things that are wrong and we repent. But there's a difference between the sin of commission and the sins of omission. Those are the sins that God has told us to do, not sins, but things that God has told us to do that we have chosen not to be obedient in our actions towards God. Can I tell you this? The sins of omission in our life when we go, no, no, God, I'm not going to do that. Those are the belief systems that develop in our life that are safe. They're predictable. They're familiar. But can I just warn you that when you are about ready to leave this life, you will regret the things that you did not take advantage of, the things that God gave you that you didn't take advantage of, more than the sins that you committed. I believe that the advantages that God has given us are so numerous, and Christians have defaulted back because of fear because of their experiences previously in their life, and and that's become their belief system. We've used this glass right here as an eight-ounce glass, and and this milk jug is a gallon, and, and so many times God says, if I have a gallon to pour into you, but you can only hold eight ounces, everybody knows there's a problem. We need to extend our capacity with our belief system. Now, Now watch this. We, we've, we've talked about this, but I want you to remember, and again, without you remembering, you will not apply today's message. What we talked about when your belief system comes into, into uh, being, it's because of your experiences in your life. Before that, you just were obedient, I guess, or disobedient with mom and dad when they said, you know, clean your room or whatever, and you just, yeah, okay, I did it. But there's a day coming if you're just a child, when you become an adult and you live on your own, you have to realize that out of our belief system, we make choices. And out of our choices, it puts us in experiences, and those experiences will confirm or deny what we believe in. So if we play it safe as the sin of omission, and we just go, well, I'm not, I'm not going to, I really don't, I'm not really a man of faith, I really, I really, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know what I mean? The chicken little. The sky's falling, so I'm going to not do anything. But so many times when a person's belief system is challenged and they realize that they have to get out of the predictable, the familiar, the comfortable, the safe, and God's telling them, come on out. Push out into the deep. That's where the great catch of fish is. Come on. That because we talked about, because of the monkey on our back of fear, usually people will do fight or they'll do flight. We talked about Paul in that sermon where he, he wanted to stone people and then he had a transformation and they were wanting to stone him when he spoke about the things of Jesus. We talked about how Peter wanted to flight. He wanted to run when somebody challenged his belief system. This morning is so important when we get into this passage of Scripture not to say, I've already heard that sermon or I've already heard that passage of Scripture. But again, God, if you're putting me in the right place at the right time, let me listen to this passage of what now I'm going through. Watch this. Look at Numbers chapter 13. We're going to be in this 
passage, Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. Again, the title of the series that we're in is, Who Does the Father Say That I Am? The children of Israel have come out of Egypt, all the plagues, all the things that God had told them, you know, for hundreds of years, 400 years, you're going to come out, you're going to go through the wilderness, you're going to go into the promised land, I'm giving you the promised land. Ancestors knew this promise. The day had come where they had already come out of slavery and bondage. They've already gone through the uh, wilderness. They're knocking on the door of their promises. God directs Moses to send out spies to look at the land. We're not going to read all this, but I want you to listen as I read it real quick. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which, listen to the words, which I am giving to the Israelites. There should have been a picture that was already in their mind of the blessings of God instead of any negatives that could have come up. Everybody signed up to leave bondage in Egypt. Everybody signed up for milk and honey, a prosperity, a blessing land. They're, they're going to move into houses, it says, that they didn't build. They're going to have vineyards and olive groves and all the property. They're going to have, you know, go detailed. It doesn't say it, but they're going to have everything that the enemy held was going to be theirs. Down to lawn chairs, hammocks out in the back. All right, enough of that. The picture. Now listen, it says, send some spies out to, to look at the land and explore the land which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Can you say leaders with me just to, ready? Leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. Now listen to this. All of them were leaders. You that leadership, you know, is not the guy that necessarily sits at the end of the table or has a title. A leader is somebody that has influence. And all of us here today have influence on someone. The words that come out of your mouth influence other people. You'll, you'll get that. You'll realize what's happening here. Either they're going to have a picture, these leaders are going to have a picture of, are they slaves? Because that's who they were in Egypt. Or are they going to have a new picture of being a child of the king? Not just any king, the king of kings. The Bible says that they are sent out. I'm going to fast forward this and then we'll come back. Moses sends them out. They go through the country. They come back carrying some of the fruit. It takes two of them to carry the fruit of grapes on their, their shoulders. Huge grapes. That's a testimony. But also it's a, not just a verbal picture. They could have come back and said, the grapes are huge. No, no, they could see the grapes. Now, now watch this. As they come back, I, I'm gonna, we're going to go over this again, but just listen to this. They've gone through all the land, and some of the land is inhabited by giants. You know, later, some of the descendants that are there produce Goliath that David fights hundreds of years later. But these spies, these 12 spies go out, and each one of them are from ancestral tribes. Judah and Benjamin, so, so you know, Ephraim, all these different tribes. They go out, they get a report to bring back. They come back, it's a negative report. Ten out of the twelve give a negative report. They give it to Moses, and they're, they're influencing the whole body of believers in God. And it says that because of their influence, they're, they're leaders because they have influence, it says that they begin to get down. And we're going to talk about that, but what I want you to see is there's two people, Joshua and Caleb, that give a good report. Here's what I want you to know. Their belief system, all, the, all these people have changed. We can't do what God has asked us to do. 
Pastor, we've heard this a lot. I've read the Bible. But here's what I want you to do in context of our series. At this moment, what they were believing for for years in bondage, now they're at the door of the promise. And the question is, does their belief, is their belief system strong enough to go into the promise? When the promise was right there in front of them, it, it's a crossroad. Is my belief system strong enough? And what happens is this report that's going to come back is a negative report, so it shifts them to, nope, we can't go. The two that have a positive report, what happens? They give it and say, surely we can go up. We'll, we'll read that out of the Bible so that you're not knowing it's not just Pastor John. But Caleb and Joshua say, yes, we can go up. What is the reaction of the people when they hear now their belief system challenged? I bet I can hit him between the eyes. Read it for yourself. It says that the, in the Bible that they begin talking about stoning Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. Because it has been challenged. No, no, we can't. And, and when somebody's belief system is challenged to, to increase their capacity from an eight ounce to a gallon, boy, let me tell you, it's going to take some more. Come on, boy. And either they'll fight or they'll run. Oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. He's talking about extending my capacity. And I'll, I'll have to, that right there is going to take some work on my part. To believe, I've got all this vast experience that says, boy, that's hard. That isn't it. If Gideon would have went on his past experience, at the end of the story, he would have not even been in the Bible. Yeah, we can't do it. We can't do it. But I believe that God would have chose another judge to defeat the enemy instead of Gideon. But in this story, you've got 12 guys, you've got 10 that have a negative report. I want you to see this because when they come back, it says that Hoshea, which means salvation. Does anybody know who, and I might be not pronouncing his name exactly right, but do you know who Hoshea was that means salvation? Maybe you know him as Joshua. <clears throat> During this time, the, the son of Nun names his son Salvation. They're in desperate need of hope, of salvation out of the bondage that they're in. When Hoshea comes back with a good report, Moses, I believe with the anointing of God, changes his name to Joshua, which means God is salvation. Which a lot of theologians believe that Moses is changing his name to imply the meaning of, may God save you from the conspiracy of the scouts. That's pretty powerful. And I thought that was going to go a whole different way in my brain when I saw your face. Sorry, you only get one time. I'll say it again. <laughs> Moses is changing his name to imply, may God save you, Joshua, from the conspiracy of the scouts. The scouts had a conspiracy. We can influence the whole two, three million people to not go up because those enemy people up there are too strong for us. They're giants. They've, they've, they've got walled cities. They're just... They, okay, I want to get ahead a bit. Look, look at this. Here's the children of Israel, and for all these years in bondage, they're longing to be free. They're longing to fulfill and to get into the promises that God has given them. Allow God to apply this to your life right now where you're at. Do you know what you're working on in your life right now that God is offering His promises in your life? Oh, I don't. Hopefully you're not howling. But this morning, apply what is happening here in this story. 
For 40 days, the enemy goes, or for 40 days, the spies go out to scout out the enemy, the, the land that is theirs. They have been giving the same instructions what to do. Not, not to tell us, you know, if your opinion. See, Moses wasn't saying, can, can we have, you, you guys are the leaders, so you're going to decide if we're going to get our promise or not. Moses was not saying that. God was definitely not saying that. But they had the same instructions, but they came away with conflicting accounts of what they saw. But I want you to see here. This is what I, I, I came up with. They all are from different backgrounds. They, for all 12 tribes, they've all been around certain people different than each other. We're the, we're the Ephraimites. We're the, we're the, you know, we're the Benjaminites. And, and I'm sure there was a sense of identity in each one of these tribes. And each one of them was to report what was, not what was in your opinion we should do after that. And of course they came away with a negative complaint, a negative experience. They're, they're carrying proof with the grapes and still they cannot be talked out of it because of why. What is the one overarching thing that continued to, to keep them from the promise? This guy right here, the monkey of fear that's on their back from the time they leave. We were slaves, that's who we are. That's all we'll ever be. I, I want you to look at this. Again, the sin of omission is not stepping in to what God has already promised us. It's a whole lot different than just saying, well, I didn't do anything negative. How many people have your handouts? Here's some, here's some blanks to fill in if you, if you have that. There's a process that goes through. The, the first one is the... I'm scared, let's not try it. And a lot of people get to the point where they don't even want to try. And the older that we get, watch this, and I'm not speaking just over people my age, but the older we get, the more easy it is to say, I'm not even going to try. It's an attitude. It says that they came back with a negative report, but it says it truly flows with milk and honey. They're not denying that. But it says, nevertheless, do you, do you hear how the transitional take? Yes, God is true, because, yeah. But nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Which leads to another attitude, which is the second one is, I already know I can't do it. How do they know they can't do it? Because of past experiences. On their own, they couldn't do it. And just like what we know, that we know that Gideon couldn't do it. We know that David couldn't defeat Goliath on his own. That, that we're not talking about trying to come up with, on your own, can you do it? They, they get to the point where they say, I already know I can't do it. Look at this viewpoint in Numbers 13, verse 31. It says, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. Do you hear the, what's coming out of their mouth? We saw our experiences apples to apples. No. It's apples to walnuts. We're just little. Which leads to the third. And that is the grasshopper syndrome. Now I want you to see this because it's very important. It says in Numbers 13, 33, We saw the giants. And we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And it goes on to say, and in their sight. Mm. Listen to me. When there is something out there that God is promising us that is bigger than us, you, you realize that uh, when God promises us that he's going to give us breath today and that we'll be able to, you know, walk out of our house, we go, so? Because that's an experience. We, we don't have a problem. But when our belief system is challenged, that's when we have a problem. The grasshopper syndrome is the picture that my title of my message is speaking to. Don't look at that picture. You are not a grasshopper. But look what the overcomers, 
Look what I want you to look at. And, and when you get into this place, how, how your attitude should be. The heart of vision is the first one of that little note taking. And it says this. Here, here's what they say. Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. That's Caleb and Joshua. Do, do you hear the contrast in their, their language and their verbiage? What they're saying is, we're, we're, what are you guys talking about? And you know what all these people are doing out here that have already convinced themselves that they shouldn't go up. They're just boiling. And then the heart of faith is the second one. It says this in Numbers 14, verse 8. Joshua says, If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, now, two views have been given. And here's what I know, that even though I've heard this story several times, every time I hear it, it puts me in a check of where I am right today. And here, here are these two views. You got ten, of course, against two. And which attitudes do they magnetize to? The positive or the negative? Negative. Do you know that it doesn't have anything to do with uh, church life, but it says that they did studies and the mind at rest will usually gravitate to the negative. When I, when I read that out of some scientific journal or whatever, I went, what? I believe it's because of our culture that just as human beings that that we always want to err on the side of what? Survival. That goes against walking by faith and not by sight. And everybody knows it's not easy. The children of Israel, when, when they receive this report, they agree that they're not going up. Then, then watch the outcome of the negative report. What, what their belief system now is saying, we're not going up, we're not able, uh, we're not even going to try, we can't do it, we're, we're just little grasshoppers. Look, look at the progression. The first thing is they, they cried. Extreme emotional outburst. What we talked about when we're transformed by the Word of God, that the Word of God changes our thinking and then it changes our emotions. Why why would it do that? Because then we're not emotionally driven. I just cried all night. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I want to do it. Now I'm going to not get the promise of... It's a response. The Word of God changes that. No, you can do it with God on your side. Then the next thing is they begin to complain. It's almost a process that we go through. See, here's the thing is, the, the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? And what I've realized, if, it, if, it's, a, if it's anything that we pretty much know down deep that we shouldn't be doing or that we're, we're you know, oh, that's going to scare me, our heart sends us a signal to our brain that says, come up with an excuse why we shouldn't do that. Or that we should do it even though we know it's wrong. Can I get an agreement from all you good people out there today? Getting lonely in here. Come on. <laughs> feel like I'm confessing something to all of you. If you're, yes, Pastor Ryan, I bet you do. All right. <laughs> when you stop and think about this, they begin to complain. It says, if only we had died in Egypt or only we had died in the wilderness. It begins them to lead to imagining all the worst possible scenarios. Have you ever been there where you start thinking, well, this could happen, this could happen? Listen out of their mouth in Numbers 14.3. It always starts with a why in our life too, right? Why, God? Why, why, why? And I wonder if God says, well, why don't you just want to be obedient to me and trust me but but we say why and they say why has the Lord brought us out into the land to fall by the sword 
that our wives and our children should become victims. In other words, they're, they're going to rape my wife. They're going to take my children for slaves. This is the worst possible scenario that could happen. And, the, and then the last one is finally they just gave in. They gave up. Wouldn't it not been better for us to return to Egypt? Come on now. Don't we do the same thing? Even though I want to just beat these guys up and go, what were they thinking? They just saw all the miracles that God did in their life, all the blessings that he, you know, he, he showed. How does the water turn to blood in Egypt? How do they do? How? But come on now. Hasn't God blessed us? And still we go, mm, I'm not for sure. Again, again, if you think I'm being negative to you, I'm being negative to me on the fact that I need to pick it up. Come on, God. I'm sorry for any kind of sin of omission that I'm saying, God, I'm not going to be obedient to you because it's more safe on this side. And just not even attempting to go into the promise and fight for it. When I, when I read that, all they could see, think about it, is their small abilities and all they could see is themselves as little grasshoppers, just, just helpless insects. Again, remember, fight or flight. And the people begin to pick up stones and talk about stoning them because, again, the fear that's inside of them is growing so, we can't go up there. They're going to they're gonna take my wife and they're going to take my children and, they're confessing actually a self-prophetic message out of their mouth and their belief system has been challenged to the point where they know it's just uncomfortable. Wouldn't it have been better for us if we're going to die, to die back in Egypt? The fear, or the giants are not just destroying their fear. Right, let me say this. The, the, the giants are not the only one destroying their hopes by fear. The, the, the same thing is going on to build really out of their own selfishness and their poor self-image of who they are. That, that's something that is insulting when we hear that about ourselves. It is for me when somebody says, you're selfish or, or you've got a poor self-image. Here's these people that have experienced the goodness of God, but now they're ready to run. They're ready to leave and say, no, we can't do it. Now, now let me, I've got about half a page to sum this up in, in application to our lives. And maybe you understand that the battle goes on in our mind before it ever comes into the, the physical and, and, and now watch this. I want to read this to, to remind you. Paul is a wise man, and he, he writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons. Wouldn't that be nice? I've got a bigger gun than you do. Using manipulation to achieve our aims, instead our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. That's, that's all those fear. Now, before I read the next verse, I want to remind you, a stronghold, which he's talking about, is translated a rebellious castle. And Paul is referring to demonic stronghold where the opposition of thinking takes place. We can't do it. I don't even want to try. I already know I can't do that. A stronghold begins to develop the first time that our belief system is changed because of, again, belief system. We make choices. Out of our choices, we have experiences. And those experiences are like, oh, man, I don't know if I ever want to... The point of experience is not going like we think God said. Is most of the time we don't realize that faith without works is dead. We say faith didn't work. No, you didn't work. Faith works. And so then when, when we get to this place that, well, it didn't turn out like I thought, it, then we go back and we change our belief system to, 
it works for some people, but not all people. And then some people come up with the belief system that says, well, it was only for the New Testament church, not for us. Yeah, I'm standing on some toes today. Verse 5 says, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. I can't do it. I, I don't know if I can. No, we bring that into subject to the Word of God and say, Yes, I can do that. <clears throat> because it goes on to say, We capture it like a prison, prisoner of war, every thought, and insist that it bows in obedience to the anointed one. You cannot avoid a thought coming. You, you, I understand that. I'm not saying, Oh, if you have a bad thought, you're going down. It's what you do with that bad thought. Nobody's denying that the giants were there and they were much bigger than the Israelites. Some people thought that the Israelites, the common man during this time, would have been somewhere around 5'2". I would have looked like a Billy Bad kind of guy back then. 5'2". All right, enough of that. All right. It says that we bring those thoughts when, when they be, we're bringing those thoughts of those enemy soldiers and what's going to happen. They should have done what Paul's saying. Bringing that thought captive, just like a prisoner. Nope, nope. Get into that jail cell. You're not going to be ruling over my life. We capture it like prisoners of war. Every thought insists that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such a dynamic weaponry, we stand ready, listen to this, to punish and trace any trace of rebellion as soon as it choose, as soon as you choose complete obedience. That had a little duct tape on it, so let me read it again. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish. Any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. Remember, out of your choice will lead you to an experience and build a belief system. What Paul is saying is any time that we have a thought that goes against the word of God, we bring it, hold it captive, we put it in captive. We're not going to do that. If anything starts in our life as a stronghold, I don't know if I We bring that captive and we... Do not let a stronghold develop. A stronghold is a new belief system that is against what God said over our lives. Then we begin to believe something that God did not say. We'll only choose when our belief system is correct. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. The children of God during this story, they believed that they couldn't and they spoke it out of their mouth. Can I just think about this? That's one awesome reason why you're here today and why you need to be plugged into church. So many people want to gravitate away. You mean I'm not going to heaven if I don't go to church? Come on. The, the reason why we go to church, one of the reasons is not only to hear the word of God and celebrate the goodness of God, but there's a culture that's supposed to in churches, maybe not all the churches, and, and again, we can always say, well, that church over there that I went, and forget all that. But the church culture is supposed to come together and begin to speak faith out of our mouth. And when we're in this culture, it's a whole different culture than the world. See, sometimes we go into the world and we think that the workplace that is not a Christian place, you guys are a, that's why you're there. You're there to solve the problem. You're the anointing that shows up into that dark world. You're the light. But here at the church, listen to this. When we were growing up, and it's funny because our family, there was words that we just didn't say. We didn't say any cuss word, and then we backed it up even more. And, and, and you know, uh, it was funny because my sister grew up, of course, like me, in the same house. So she was teaching her children. We started kind of flashback. We don't say stupid. And so when her kids were little, 
uh, her son would go through all the words. We don't say stupid. We don't say dunk. We don't say boom. We don't. Hey, I think you're saying the word right now. It felt good, you know. That culture was, this is what we do as a family. We don't say those words. Here in this family, we have to remember that. Because what we do is we try to get in our culture and kind of fit in. The chameleon, you know, that kind of changes colors. And we can, and I'm not talking about, you know, come on, I'm not trying to beat you up. And, and I know you don't go into the world and thus saith the Lord, you're going to hell right now, buddy. I know, I know I'm saying that stuff. But a lot of times we come into the church and we try, to, we try to say what we've done all week or we've heard all week. You never know. Boy, I tell you what, we could walk in fear just by COVID. We've come through. Well, pastor, there's a new street. We're going to go through again. If it was a little slow for you to say amen, you might want to check. So let me end by saying this. There's a difference. We know that we have an enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucy, Fur. you know. We, we know that. Beelzebub, whatever you want to call it. He's an enemy. But also we have the enemy of our flesh. And as spirit-filled people that we walk in the spirit, not by the flesh, but the flesh is always wanting to rise up and take control over us. Paul says... The things I want to do, I don't do, and vice versa. So, so this morning, as we're walking through this, this whole sermon series of who God says we are, I, I, want, I want to leave you with this. We have an enemy, but also we have to keep tabs on our flesh of what's comfortable to us, what's, what's you know, that predictable, familiar, what the world around us is saying. That, that's, that's the flesh. Watch this. When you become so devil-minded, you become somewhat of a victim. See, it's not my fault. That devil. Anybody old enough to remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. <clears throat> There's kids in here going, Flip who? I didn't know him, but Gwen was telling me about him the other day. And <clears throat> I want to apologize right here for that. All right. You, you can become a victim. But when it comes to working on our flesh, that's just going to take work on our part. Everybody with me on that? To better ourselves, to get to the point where we start realizing, hey, 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 we've got to work on that. And if we're not careful, you, you turn around and, and instead of working on it, you begin to say, you know what? The culture that I live in says that I am just who I am. Have you ever heard that in the world that we live in? That the, the culture created who we are. And because that's who we are right now, that's who we will always be. And we say, no, we bring that thought into captivity. That is not what the Word of God says. I will not be busted, disgusted. I will not be a grasshopper. This morning, as we come to the end of this message, I want to encourage you with everything that's in me to fight against that spirit that dwells in the, the, the world around us that says, you can't do it. You'll never be enough. You're never going to accomplish. God's promises are not for you. We're going to get into next week, and, and I've got a theologian that's coming in to speak, and, and they're going to speak on praying the Scripture. Because a lot of times when you begin to, to walk in your authority of who God says you are, you're questioning, and it starts with saying, you know, those are some pretty good promises. And, and I'm not real for sure, you know. Hear me, because everybody that has gone from this to the other side of walking by faith has to get to the realization that God is not a liar. 
And when you begin to pray what he says over your life, and all that flesh and the enemy starts talking to you about, oh, that's not for you, and that... Who's telling you that? God is not telling you that. That's why you pray the scripture and allow your faith to begin to come up inside of you. The, the theologian that's coming in is Brianna. She, she's going she's gonna to speak. She's going to be Dr. Brianna pretty soon. I believe that. She's going to bring the passages of Scripture. And, and what I'm believing is that when we get done with this series, your, your eyes are going to be about this big and you're going to go, man, I, I never heard that stuff before, but I can't deny it because it's right there in the Bible. But probably because it is so hard to do for some people, they don't want to hear it. And pastors don't like rocks thrown at them. And they don't like people leaving the church and running. So begin praying and allowing God to speak in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to say, I'm putting you in the right place at the right time to hear what I want you to hear. And if that changes your belief system, it's okay. To allow your capacity to stretch. This morning, I know that there's people that are going through things in your life right now. And I want you to have a, a chance. We, we have some time. What we're going to do is I'm going to call the worship team up. We're going to sing our song that, again, is a confession out of our mouth when you sing this song and you're looking at the words. He's all that he says that I am. When he whispers in my ear that I'm fearless. See, we're not going to let that monkey of fear on our back dictate dictate who we are I'm going to ask Mark to come and he's going to lead the time of prayer and then he's going to call up the prayer team wow thank you pastor let's just give pastor a hand why don't y'all go ahead and stand with me church are you ready to enter into just a moment of prayer before we go back to you know life you know Sunday afternoon nap, and then it's like back to normal. You know what I mean? You're like hot and on fire, and then the, <laughs> the lunch, that big, you know, Mexican food, Italian food sets on heavy, and then that nap. And then so quickly, you know, just an awareness and that heavy weight of what God may have spoken to you at church can just begin to kind of, kind of dissipate. So right now, let's, let's just enter in to a response time to the Lord. Amen? Can you do that? Even if you don't necessarily come down and receive prayer with the team specifically, shouldn't we all be asking for a new kind of, Lord, I want you to do something in my heart. I need a picture of where you have me going, where you see me in 10 years. What is the picture that you have for me? Where do you see me? How far do you see me going? Let me tell you something. It's always, just like the children of Israel, it's always into a place that is it's, it's more than you can handle. It's further than you can get on your own. That's why you have to have him. That's why you've got to follow the cloud. You've got to follow the pillar of fire that was with among the Israelites. You've got to follow him wherever he takes you. Moses said something beautiful, beautiful. To the Lord. He said, when God said, I'm, I'm sending you in, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to have the land of promise. I've promised to you and your, your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Moses says, I, can't even, I don't even want to go in there if you don't go with me. It's great. Listen, it's great. We get out of bondage because the promise of heaven. And we start to realize the promise of heaven is for right now. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The bleeding woman reaches out and touches him. She had a picture of healing for her life. So she goes out and she just touches him. Okay. The children of Israel struggled with the picture that not God gave them for, for where they were going, but how they saw themselves. 
they couldn't, and you know, they're probably right, you know, they couldn't go down and take down giants, but they were missing a crucial bit there. That the same God who annihilated the Egyptian in about 45 minutes <laughs> was going to be with them as they went and took up the land of promise. The same God was going to be with them. Joshua and Caleb, they didn't just see themselves as some, some ex-slaves who followed Moses. They saw themselves as children of the Most High God. Listen, God's, God's giving you right now an opportunity to kind of spy out the land, so to speak. You have to have a picture of where God has the people around you in your life. You've got to see potential in the people that you rub shoulders with at work that aren't saved. The people in your family that you live with that aren't saved. Fathers and mothers in the room, you've got to have a picture of God's will for your children. Not just good behavior, but them actually inheriting what God promised them. I'm so thankful to have had parents that saw not just potential in me, but they saw if, if he'll just stay with God. If he'll just stay with God. If he'll just walk with the Lord. Listen to me. If you'll just walk with God, you can inherit the promises. We all, I mean, whether if, I, I, let me just put it on your lap here. If We all need prayer. We all need a, an extended revelation of what God has for us. Every single one of us need the picture. We need a picture of what God has. We need to see something besides just, you know, I tell the youth group, you know, life is more. God, what God has more for you than just, you know, living for the weekend and hating Mondays. <laughs> It's so much bigger. We live for like in an attack mode. Let's go and take them. <laughs> don't we, we don't we don't hold ground as Christians. The only thing we hold on to is the enemy by the nose. You know. <laughs> Ephesians one verse fifteen. Paul gives them. Paul gives them a little bit of insight into his prayer for them. He says, For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all saints, does not cease giving thanks for you. I do not cease giving thanks for you. While ma making mention of you in my prayers. Watch this. Prayer team, go ahead and come on up. Start making your way. Prayer team, this is your, this is your MO right now. This is what you're going to pray for people. This is what we should all be praying over ourselves right now. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I just want a picture of Jesus. I want a picture of the one who is with me. And when I have a picture of the one who walks with me, the one who goes before me, it makes uncertainty exciting. <laughs> it makes stepping into something new, something that's only been promised and not seen, it makes it, it, makes it a challenge that I, look, that I look forward to. Every knee will bow at the name Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Even if you don't come forward for prayer for yourself, just lay a hand on the person next to you and pray this prayer. Jesus, change their mind. Renew them. Change them by the renewing of their mind. We're changed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? It begins with our thinking. It begins with our thinking. Oh, let's pray together. Start coming down if you want prayer, individual prayer. Jesus... We pray that right now you would just change our thinking. Change the way, number one, we see how we think about you. We want to think of you as just above everything else. 
The one who invites us into a greater thing. The one who invites us into greater understanding, into greater revelation. We want to see you the way you really are. The only way that we can do this is by your spirit revealing yourself to us. God, number two, we want a better and greater understanding of you. A better, greater understanding of the way you've created us. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us, Jesus. The way you view us. Lord, help us. Help us be conformed. Help our minds be conformed to the way you see us. In Jesus' name, amen.